For the heretical whore, Jezebel is not unknown. For commanding Ahab, her roots were grown. A conduit for transforming desire, Jezebel's roots compel men to you acquire. Funds and finances or proper payment of Asherah's adorers, she is a claimant. When faced with uneven odds, receive the benefits that you crave. Though be careful of the dogs, but with Jezebel's root, the hound you may stave. Ding dong. Greetings. Welcome to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is an occasionally comedic, poetic podcast about mysticism, spirituality, and magic. On this season of A Thousand Serious Moves, the never-ending infinite season of seven, we are going through the magical and practical uses of herbs and spices. We have made our way today to Jezebel Root. If you are new to A Thousand Serious Moves, welcome. We have been on this journey for over a year now because sometimes we will do episodes between the herbs and roots episodes to chat about what the spirit compels. It's really not about the destination, it's about the journey. If you enjoy A Thousand Serious Moves, please do share with your friends, subscribe, and you can actually even head on over to YouTube if you would like to compel to be watching the YouTube video version, where also on Mondays or Sundays now, I release a weekly tarot reading for the collective. And so it's also a useful tool if you're getting into tarot and learning how to read cards, because I'm now starting to show you the cards and kind of give you descriptions of the ways that those cards can be interpreted. So wherever you listen or watch, subscribe, leave a review, uh, leave a comment. And if you would like a private tarot reading with me, you may go to marfatarot.com. And so we can do our tarot reading in person if you are in far west Texas or online via Zoom. The way that I read tarot is very practical. I'm not really one to read into archetypes and psychologizing how it makes you feel. I really like to look at very practical elements of how these cards can inform and guide you in your life. And so I like to play out scenarios where some people will ask me, what would it look like if I take this new job versus what would it look like if I stay at my current position? And then we compare the scenarios of how it would play out is one example. And then there's also very simple, like, yes, no question. Does this person like me? And then we kind of see what the inner dynamic is that's going on there. So I like to read very practically. And so go to marfatero.com where you can also purchase other, there's, I have useful and helpful holy waters and anointing oils that I make that the reviews are in and they work. And so, um, there's a fiery wall of protection that unanimously everyone that has purchased and used this product has given me very clear examples of the ways in which this fiery wall of protection oil has helped them. 
<clears throat> as well as the banishing oil is another fan favorite. And I have a new rosary water that I make and prepare on the altar of our Blessed Mother, wherein I pray the rosary. And it's very beneficial for forgiveness as well as softening your heart or softening the hearts of those around you. Um, and then one of my personal favorites is the Blockbuster Potion, which is not for drinking. It is for removing blocks and barriers. It's a really good um, solution to use before doing road opening work. And so you're busting down the blocks and barriers so that then the roads can be open for your endeavor that you would like. So um, marfatero.com. And then the final announcement is that if you are in far west Texas on Thursday, February 9th at 6 p.m., I am doing a talk at the Granada Theater on the mysticism of the Psalms. So we're going to look at what is below the hood of the some of the dynamics that are going on when we read the Psalms. We're looking below the surface level and looking at some of the mystical patterns that are going on. Don't worry, I'm going to keep it accessible. And I will also mention, obviously, some fun magical uses for Psalms to bring clarity, peace, healing, prosperity, love, favor, protection into your life. And so that is at the Granada Theater in Alpine, Texas, um, Thursday, February 9th at 6 p.m. where I'm doing a talk on the mysticism of the Psalms. And so announcement section is finished and so before we really dive too much into Jezebel root but we are going to spend a decent amount of time there because I do want to talk about the story of Jezebel in the Bible as well as Asherah um, the goddess whom she worshipped um, so but the first thing I, I have here on my notes is I wanted to talk about forgiveness um, it's something that it seems like a lot of people in my life have been really kind of at this point where they're ready to move on um, in areas of their life that they just can't seem to get rid of these resentments. And I don't, I know I can relate to that. And so maybe you can too of the, just every once in a while you think you're, you think you've moved on and then all of a sudden just like a new, you know, or an old resentment pops up and um, you it just, it'll fuck up your day. Sometimes it'll, you know, can leave one feeling paralyzed, but it doesn't have to. And so most of you know, if you don't, you're about to find out that I am in a 12-step recovery program. Um, I am recovering from many forms of addiction. The other day, my boyfriend was like, is there anything that you haven't been addicted to? <laughs> it's like, it's a good question. So, but I am in recovery. And so the 12 steps definitely offer solutions for that. And it really kind of, we start to get at the root of it when we're doing the fourth step, which is taking the personal inventory. And so that's where we look at the resentments. Like who are all the people that I have resentments towards? Who are all the people that have fucked me over? And, and then we do these columns of who are they? What did they do? How did it, what area of my life did it threaten or make me feel threatened? And then here's the final part. What was my part in it? <laughs> so, um, because I know that I definitely have loved to blame certain people in my life for things. Um, 
but I also have to take responsibility, right? Like if I lent my car to somebody who was drinking and they I returned my car with a large dent in it, I could have a resentment all day about this person and what they did to me, but I really get to look at my part in it and recognize that I'm the one who voluntarily handed my keys over to somebody and didn't set any type of boundary um, and then did it again and again and again. <laughs> and so, um, so I could have a resentment all day about that towards somebody, but the next step of it in the 12 step program is then the um, recognition of where I may have had a part in it. Um, and, and I'm not going to address anything that's like in terms of sexual abuse. I'm not going to go there. I'm talking about just sort of general like relationship resentments um, because it gets a little complicated to say like, what's my part in like if one was sexually abused at, you know, five years old or whatever, that's, um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about our day-to-day relationships that we have, um, you know, our, that we have resentments about. So I hope that's clear. Um, even like something like your teacher in elementary school, right? Like, you know, was she a bitch to you, but like, were you also kind of a dick, you know, were you like a dick as a kid? And like, maybe that was why Mrs. Miller, you know, didn't let you play at the playground that day, you know, and all those resentments that go way far back, like they need not be dismissed. Like if they're still causing a trigger, then they're still actively happening within you. And so, like your feelings are valid. Like you don't have to try to like brush away those resentments and be like, that's stupid. Why do I still feel mad at her from, you know, when I was little and dismiss it. That's something that can also be delved into so that it's basically like kind of like taking the needle out of it. Um, so that it doesn't, when you think about the situation, it doesn't sting, as much, um, and then over time that it does heal. And so I know we're talking about forgiveness and then I'm like, but also look at your part in it, but I'm just saying this is the 12 step approach. And then the second level of that is then I look at my part in it and then I confess it to somebody. And I was having a discussion with someone recently and, uh, they still have a lot of religious trauma and, um, it's possible to acknowledge the benefits and faults of certain religions without um, dismissing everything. And so there is really something to the aspect of confession and really exercising that um, demon, so to speak, of really sharing it with somebody. And that's really part of the recovery process is feeling connected. And um, if there's somebody that you feel like that you can share that with, um, And if there's not, you know, there is your higher power. There are your guardian angels. There is a tree probably outside nearby that you could confess to. Um, It's really about acknowledging it and having the verbal acknowledgement of, you know, um, Mrs. Miller was a bitch to me when I was five and really hurt my feelings. Um, And then I do recognize that I was, I then continued to disobey her 
because she was a bitch and so it made me worse and so but I acknowledge that I did have a part to play in that situation and then confessing that to the tree (laughs) and uh and then and then it goes on from there you know of like asking the higher power for the defects to be removed and then making amends right so but not every you know person deserves a direct amends or like maybe it'll be more harmful to you or to the other person to make a direct amends. And so sometimes we get to make a living amends, which is that we then don't be a dick anymore, or we then, you know, begin to take care of our side of the street and move forward, um, and live through that, um, place of not doing that behavior anymore, doing better. So that's sort of one approach to uh, releasing resentments and for and practicing forgiveness. And I like to always invite in my higher power when I'm going to be doing any type of work like that um, so that I know that I'm being held and guided in this really spiritual deep work. Um, another as- Another technique that I have found beneficial when seeking forgiveness and the releasing of resentments is to pray a novena. A novena is a nine-day prayer, uh, is nine days of prayer towards a particular saint or angel or um, the blessed aspect of the Blessed Mother, and so um, that have that are in accordance with our particular needs or desires. And so those large pillar candles, the glass candles that you see at the grocery stores and Walmart and like everywhere, um, those are actually called Novena candles. So they were originally supposed to last nine days, but they now pump them so much full of air that um, the candles usually only last about three and a half, four days. So um, if you're to keep it lit um, throughout, but so praying a Novena is a nine day, every day you do a prayer that builds on your particular intention and you look up online, there's prescribed. Um, I just realized that that word means it's already written. Okay. There's prescribed. Interesting. Um, novenas. You just go look up like novenas and then you can, um, and it'll come up and then you can pray those for nine days. And one of my particular, um, novenas to pray is to Our Lady Undoer of Knots, particularly if you are going through some resentments and needing to release and to forgive. Our Lady Undoer of Knots can help untie a lot of those knots. And uh, so she's an aspect of our Blessed Virgin Mary, who is an aspect of the mother, our mother, our Blessed Mother. We love her. If you're watching the video here, I'll show you my Mary altar back there next to my ancestor altar. So that is our Blessed Mother. And so Our Lady Undoer of Knots is one aspect of her that can be prayed to for the undoing of knots of resentments and seeking forgiveness. Um, And then another thing that's sort of like in conjunction with this of like forgiveness and then maybe looking at our part in it is that we also sometimes feelings of guilt will come up. And um, they hit me hard the other day. I was meditating and I, um, it was just like all of a sudden I felt all this guilt about my dog 
who passed away back in September. But early on when I had him and especially when I was like, my addiction was really starting to take over and then the ways in which I neglected him and the guilt y'all was like, it was just like, holy fuck, where did that come from? But luckily it came up when I was meditating. So I got to just be like, not now thought, feeling, emotion, guilt, and then kind of re and then returned back to the meditative technique that I was practicing at that moment. Breathing in white smoke, breathing out black smoke, breathing in white smoke, breathing out black smoke, and then letting all the white smoke fill your body um, for about 20 minutes or so um, is one of many meditation techniques. So sometimes guilt will just pop up. And um, one thing that I was taught when I was undergoing the abermelon purification process um, was that my teacher, Aaron Leach, was telling us that, you know, when we're in the part of our prayers that entails confession, right? So it's like praise, repentance, asking, and then... Um, pausing and listening for the acronym pray he didn't teach us this but that was what I remember from childhood the acronym pray for how to pray so you first open up with praise and thanksgiving then repentance or confession and then you ask so Abermelon asking for knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel and then yield is the why which is the pausing and the listening so in the repentance part, um, one thing that Aaron advised was that when we're asking for forgiveness, one thing that we can ask for forgiveness for is to be released from guilt and shame because they're not productive at a certain point um, is that carrying around that guilt is something that can hinder us in our development, in our acquisition of, uh, of wisdom. So uh, hanging on to guilt and regret of the past um, doesn't really do anything at a certain point. Um, so when asking for forgiveness, like asking that that be released. So if you are one who prays or are getting back into prayer, that's an aspect of your confessional, um, that can be integrated and to be found useful, like no need to carry around that guilt with you. Um, especially when you're, um, in the process of healing yourself and relationships with, the perceived other um, is that we're looking for harmony and um, coherence and resonance and guilt is not in alignment with that. So these are just some techniques for helping to smooth out some of those edges um, and um, kind of tune our holy instruments in alignment with a coherent frequency of the divine. And, um, also there was a grasshopper in my room. There's, I've been a thing with grasshoppers out here lately, um, both at the shop at the Botanica where I work and, um, in my own home is like, they've been kind of like outside my door. I keep, if you're like watching the video, I keep looking like as if you can see um but they've been kind of hanging out outside and it's been pretty warm here in marfa over the winter uh so the grasshoppers have pretty well survived but the other day i did clean some uh grasshopper carcasses out um from my doorstep and i thought oh, okay well it's kind of it's probably just too cold for them now but they are back my lights just went out again 
That's so weird. Didn't that happen the last episode? Um, okay. Well, hang on. Let me see if I can hang on. It's so weird. Okay, they're back. It was a windy day. It must have blown my cord out the socket. So, okay. Um, maybe that means that God is with us. But isn't God always with us? Yes, because God is everything. So, um, yes, even that, that is God. So, um, the grasshopper, it's funny. Um, and then I sat down to start preparing for this podcast. And then all of a sudden there's a grasshopper on my desk. And, uh, research entails that, you know, via Google, the spiritual guidance of Google, it's like, what a gra- what's the spiritual significance of grasshoppers, um, which stated astral travel, which makes sense because grasshoppers can scale heights, right? Um, and, uh, but also I think that they can be protective. And, um, so then I got on my phone to check the time of the event that I was announcing earlier. And then the grasshopper landed on my, um, hand as soon as I had grabbed that distraction. So maybe grasshoppers also are, remind us to be in alignment with our, um, do I say higher purpose, Mm, uh, with, in alignment with our purpose, let's just say that, (laughs) okay, so, um, uh, yeah, so, okay, thank you, you're welcome, and continuing on, as we transition to talking about Jezebel root, we're going to talk about Queen Jezebel. So if you're, most people who haven't even read the Bible are still familiar with this woman or the term Jezebel of someone who is like a whore or a betrayer, right? Um, And so some women have leaned into it. And then, so... Um, but there is a story in the Bible that this comes from, of the story of Jezebel, which is from the books of first and second Kings in the old Testament. So just a little background is that, um, at the time there was a King of Israel whose name was Ahab, King Ahab. You might know that name from Bob Dylan songs. So King Ahab was the King of Israel and He was the first king of Israel to marry a woman who was not, um, who was what they call a heathen, right? So she wasn't an Israelite. He was the first king of Israel to marry a woman who was not an Israelite. And that woman's name was Jezebel. And Jezebel worshipped the gods of her people, which they called Baal and Asherah. And Baal actually is a term that can be used for many different types of gods. It's not just one god. Um, That term growing up, I always thought was like it was one god and it wasn't the god. It was like a lesser god. But in my development and studies, I have learned that Baal is a a placeholder name for, um, it could even be like the Baals, like the different gods that basically it's a way to try to distinguish Yahweh, the Jewish God from other gods. But there's actually, um, history that there actually is a connection between Yahweh and Baal and in like older Semitic 
development of these gods. Um, there was a god named El, who was a water god, and that god also has been adopted as one of the gods of the Old Testament. El meaning strong or God. And so when we have all the angels' names, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, uh, Raphael, Anael, and so on, how they all have L after it because it's a, it's like a little God, an aspect of God. And so L is an aspect of God that is identified in the Psalms, which was an earlier, earlier water God, and but had been adopted by the Israelites as another aspect of God. So looking at this scripture from below the surface and looking at the history and the migration and development of these gods is that it's not very clear that there was, there wasn't just one in the sense that um, the Jews didn't just worship historically one God. There were many aspects of that God to which they prayed as well and Yahweh being one of them. So Jezebel marries Ahab, and she comes in with her particular gods and aspects of gods and goddesses named Baal and Asherah. And some descriptions in the Bible that mention Asherah will say the Asherah as if there was more than one or it's a certain type of goddess. Um, as well as there is earlier, earlier proof that Asherah or Astarte is another name for this goddess as developing over time in the transmigration of deities and uh, co-option and their different aspects being adopted by different societies is that early on there is proof that Asherah was a wife to Yahweh and that those two were wed and so there was early aspects of the divine feminine that were venerated, worshipped, and honored by the Israelites. In fact, if you're watching the video, I have this book here called The Cosmic Shekinah, or Shekinah which is the divine feminine, which you will see the dove here on the cover of the book, which is often symbolic of the divine feminine, which is the Holy Spirit. So we cannot totally rid ourselves of the divine feminine as much as certain uh, very um, male heavy, masculine heavy, father heavy energy uh, try to shut out the divine feminine, but she's always there. So, um, so Jezebel marries Ahab and brings in her gods, which the Israelites and the prophets thereof, including the prophet Elijah, were not happy about. Um, so obviously the Bible is going to present one aspect to the story because there is a particular agenda on the surface of the religious aspect. However, we can always look at these things with deeper vision and recognize that it's not black and white like we have been taught by our scientific method, Newtonian Descartian, 
you know, aspects of this material world that everything is black and white and everything is separate. And so even thinking about the aspect of the divine feminine and the evolution of the divine feminine from the Shekinah to Ashira to the Holy Spirit to the church, which is the bride of Christ, to the Blessed Mother and how there's not a clear delineation um, because that's not how things work actually. And so if you've ever taken psychedelics, you know this. And if you also have not taken psychedelics, it's very likely that you know this on a deeper, deeper level. And there's also science tries to prove it as well if you're into that kind of thing. So so the prophet Elijah um, basically challenges Jezebel's prophets and the prophets of Baal and says, my God, Yahweh is better than you. My God, my dad can beat up your dad. My Yahweh can beat up your Baal and um, I'll prove it. So, so they do this sacrifice off at the top of, I think it was Mount Carmel. So uh, basically it was like, um, my God's going to eat up my, Yahweh's going to eat up our sacrifices and your God ain't shit. So, um, so the prophets of Baal do all these ceremonies and they cut themselves and they are just yelling and screaming and begging for their offerings of meat on their altar to be consumed by their Baal. And lo and behold, it was not. Um, and then Elijah says, pour buckets of water on our offering and I will show you the greatness of my God to consume this offering yet still. So I think they pour seven buckets, um, of water, um, on, or jugs of water onto the altar, um, onto the offering and, um, lo and behold, Yahweh strikes down with lightning and fire and consumes their offering. And so, you know, and then Jezebel was sore afraid, right? But she would not relent to Yahweh or to the prophets thereof. And so um, Elijah is afraid of her. She threatens and says something along the lines of like, I will die the same way I will kill you before if you're not dead, it was like, she's like, basically like, I will kill myself in the process of finding you to kill you. Like I'm going to fucking kill you is basically what she says and kill me if I don't fucking kill you. So, <clears throat> so, and Elijah was sore afraid. And so, um, Oh, it's my gratitude reminder. I am grateful for this podcast. Okay. So, so then Elijah prophesies that Jezebel will be consumed by dogs. And uh, long story short, Ahab dies. His son takes pa- his son Jehu takes power and then gets killed. And then um, the eunuchs of Jezebel throw her out the window. And then she is, her body is broken. She's trampled by horses and the dogs consume her. So, and then in the book of Revelation, the term Jezebel begins to get used as a whore, as one who is an idolater, one who does not worship the true God. So that's the story of Jezebel. Some people like to honor her and 
as a rebel, as one who doesn't subscribe to the, um, the status quo. And remember that even Yahweh is not the Lord God of hosts. So like even that God, this is like my Gnostic ism coming out is that even Yahweh is not, you know, Adonai, Yahweh, you know, Zebaoth. It's like, it's not the Lord. It's still a lower aspect of the most high. Like there's actually a God above Yahweh, right? So, so remembering that when contemplating the story of Jezebel is that it's not as if she was dishonoring the most high and remembering too that from so so this is like an aspect of doing spiritual work right so someone might ask me like how do you why do you pray to saints or or, um other gods is that these are all aspects of the most high and then the ten commandments is that is that first we honor the most high it doesn't say uh there is no other god besides me it says um that there sh- you shall have no other gods before me so it's god first the most high first lord god of hosts first honor the most high first and then you can still work with the other gods like upon it being in alignment with the divine so um is a way to work with that <clears throat> so so that's the story of Jezebel, and which brings us to, I talked about Asherah as well, so which brings us to our root of the day, which is Jezebel root, and so this is a root named after Jezebel, and can be utilized, I wanted to give that backstory of her so that you can get a sense of the ways in which this root can be used, and so Jezebel root traditionally is used for commanding, for having authority, particularly over men. And so Jezebel root is a very beneficial root to work with if one is a sex worker. And because there is a relationship between this root and obtaining money, if one is in the service industry. So if you are a sex worker and you want to both command men, attract male clients that have more money, as well as making sure that you're getting paid what you're due, and maybe even a little extra working with Jezebel Root can be very beneficial for you. It also can be very beneficial for sex and love seduction workings. And so if you're doing any type of workings on wanting to seduce a particular man or draw in that energy, then you can work with Jezebel root. You could even very simply uh, take Jezebel root and um, put it in a bottle with olive oil and say some prayers and intentions over it and make your very own Jezebel root oil that can that then you can apply made at home um that you can apply as you're going out into the world if you wish to do maybe you, you even have like a male boss um it's a little different than saint martha the dominator oil or high john the conqueror oil both of which are also used for commanding this has like a little bit more of a sexual aspect to it so it's sort of like using your sexuality to get you ahead and to command and to receive what it is that you would like so um i don't know any of the ten commandments that say you can't do that so um 
<clears throat> let's see. It's also, it's a lot of people look at this root as particularly malevolent because it really is about commanding. Um, and so, but I'm just your messenger, right? So it can be great for focusing your anger at someone or for prevailing in conflict. Um, so there's that. And then um, you can carry Jezebel root on your person and to induce others to be generous to you. So if you're a waiter, if you work in the service, if you're a hairdresser, if you're a waitress, so it's not just a sex worker, but anybody in the service industry, if you carry some Jezebel root that you have charged and notified with your particular intention to draw in, um, the generosity of others can be very beneficial and useful. And then the final thing that I wanted to mention about Jezebel root is I was curious about its relationship with dogs because of the story of it, um, of her being fed to the dogs. And it made me think about Cerberus and the dogs of the underworld. And I thought maybe it can be utilized in some type of underworld work that one might be doing. Um, and then I wondered if it could actually be used for having command over dogs as well. Like if you're trying to train your dog or um, have command over a particular canine. Um, I was wondering if Jezebel Root would be useful for that because of the story. And so then I actually did a, a yes, no tarot reading over this question. I said, can a charged Jezebel Root give one command over your dogs? And what it was, the spread, I'll give you the layout, was the about card was the page of swords, which is about a difficult child. So if you have a difficult dog that you're dealing with that isn't obedient, that thinks that it runs the fucking show, that has you wrapped around its finger, then that's sort of what this question is about, is like, can one have command over a dog that is, doesn't, has not been trained? Um, and then the relevant past is, was the seven of coins, and that's the fruit of hard work. And so it's really about like, are you working hard to be able to work with this dog? So it's not just about like, if I carry this root, will I then just naturally have command over dogs? But do you have some type of um, experience training dogs or working with this particular dog um, that could inform you of how to navigate the situation? Um, so that that's helpful for if you're using Jezebel Root to actually have some background and how to train and work with a dog. And then the difficulties to overcome were, it was the magician card, which is about control. And so it's about um, the difficulty of controlling the beast, right? Like maintaining authority um, and agency uh, with this particular canine. Um, and then the help that one is given is the 10 of coins, which is long-term resources. So I see that actually that the car, that the, um, the, uh, Jezebel root when one has a background and some learning and knowing of how to work with dogs, that the, uh, root can give you a, an, a boost in, um, resources to help command. And then the outcome card being the king of swords, which is very much about like a masculine authority. And then the answer being, uh, the four of swords, which is sort of a need for silence and rest, which is about getting the dog to, um, 
obey, submit, or maybe if you don't like that language, um, maybe about um, being at peace with you being the one who um, has some authority. So it actually looks like, yes, a Jezebel root can be used to give one command over dogs. Um, though with the caveat of, um, you know, having that authority established within you. So, um, try it. Let me know. HTXOracle at gmail.com. And, um, once again, before we get to the poem, subscribe, share, like, leave a comment, marymarfa.com or marfatarot.com to book your tarot reading and send me an email, HTXOracle at gmail.com. And I will uh, see you all next week. And here now, enjoy this poem for which I have written about which the herb root Jezebel. <laughs> Here we go. For the heretical whore, Jezebel is not unknown. For commanding Ahab, her roots were grown a conduit for transforming desire. Jezebel's roots compel men to you acquire funds and finances or proper payment of Asherah's adorers. She is a claimant when faced with uneven odds. Receive the benefits that you crave. Though be careful of the dogs. But with Jezebel's root, the hounds you may stave. <laughs>